We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. My name is Katie Lee Beagle. Welcome to The Better Buy. Welcome to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier. Each week, we talk to experts about the highs and lows of home ownership and share stories, advice, and practical tips you can actually put to work in your own space. In this episode, I'm speaking with Katie Lee Beagle, co-host of Food Network's The Kitchen, cookbook author, television food critic, and co-founder of the organic wine, Kind of Wild. Hi, thank you so much for being here today. So Katie, I'm curious how much you thought about entertaining when you searched for and decorated your current residence. I really thought about entertaining quite a bit when we first started working on our new place. I love to entertain. Our entertaining has definitely pivoted and changed since having a small child. It's much more family focused now and more focused on being comfortable and thinking about what cleans easily. And I used to mostly think about what looked great. (laughs) Now I'm thinking it has to be really functional as well. I'm with you there. I have a five-year-old girl. So Mm. I too have changed my approach to textures, choosing furniture. What were your deal breakers when looking for a home in terms of thinking about entertainment? Well, I always wanted a home that had the open kitchen, living room, dining room. That was my thing. But in New York City, it's always going to have to have some sort of compromise. And the home that we found actually has a galley kitchen, which would have been a 100% deal breaker for me because I need a lot of space. I wanted a kitchen island. And we just love this place so much that. I was willing to give up my big kitchen dreams and have a a small New York City galley kitchen. But it has this big window that looks outside and green trees in the summertime. So there's this feeling of openness, even though it's a small kitchen. And I have space for a little bistro table that should seat two, but we seat the three of us there. So it's kind of cramped, but I love it. And I've actually found now with having dinner parties, the galley kitchen's nice because it's separate from where we all are. So it's kind of nice that I can keep my mess in there and then have everything nice in the living areas and the common space. And I can also have a little escape when I need to go and prep something, it's not as much of having people hover over you as sometimes happens when everybody's hanging out in the kitchen. It's kind of like I've got my own little spot now. Right. Everyone was so pro open floor plan entirely for so long. And I don't know, I'm sort of coming around to more defined spaces as well. Would you say that galley Mm -hmm. kitchen is your favorite place to entertain in your home to have those dinner parties? Or is there another spot you prefer? 
Well, I definitely don't have people in the galley kitchen when <laughs> I'm entertaining. There's just not room for me cooking and everybody else. So we have a little outdoor area, a little terrace, and that is connected to the dining and living. So everybody's really in that area. Even at Thanksgiving last year, we had a warm Thanksgiving and we ended up eating indoors, outdoors. So everybody had space. We had 13 people, all of our family. And it was really lovely. And I really like casual entertaining. I think that when everybody's got to sit down at the dining table, that sometimes it can feel very formal and then people feel a little bit more uptight. So to be able to just have a buffet, take a plate and a napkin, have your plate on your lap and eat, I think just makes everybody really relaxed. And you don't have that feeling of having to keep up a dining table conversation. Everybody's just mixing and mingling and relaxed. I agree. I think formal entertaining was more for our parents' generation. Even just the way my mother would set her table and have specific entertaining dinner sets. I no longer do that. I sort of think I'm going to use the good stuff every day or for the more casual events. And we just don't have space for all of those different sets. Right. Times are different. If people are living in smaller spaces, a lot of times, like in New York City, I don't have all this cabinetry to be able to have all the different sets. I read once somebody said the quickest way to kill the vibe at a dinner party is say, okay, let's move into the dining room. Oh, I love that. I I think that that's kind of accurate. It's like everybody's having fun and you're having your cocktail hour, kind of carrying on. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to be grownups instead of just being at ease. Right. Do you have any go-to mood setting tips in terms of atmosphere? What's important to you? I think it's always important to have music going. So I turn it on well before it's time for people to arrive in case somebody's early because someone shows up 10 minutes early and your house is silent. It's going to feel kind of funny. Good lighting is so, so, so important. Not too bright and not too dark either. And of course, having food and drinks ready to go. But number one, the most important thing for setting the atmosphere at any party is the host. If the host is relaxed, everybody else is too. If the host is ready to have a good time, everybody else is going to have a good time. If the host is uptight and nervous, everybody else will be that way too. That's a great point. How do you get in that more relaxed mindset? What does it take? I think you have to let go of the feeling of everything needing to be perfect. I used to always want my house to be perfect. I wanted everything to be cleaned up. And now I just don't care if there's toys everywhere. It's like that's the season of life that I'm in right now. I have bright plastic toys all over my living room. (laughs) (laughs) And I have piles of stuff. And that's okay. Right. Now that I've let go of this feeling of needing perfection, I enjoy myself so much more. And I also have more time to focus on the food because I'm not running around trying to clean up every little last thing. I can focus on the food. I can focus on my guests. And I don't think one time anybody's ever come over and said, you have toys? Right. (laughs) In fact, there's something incredibly endearing about seeing a home that is lived in and not 
tidy just for the sake of appearances. Now, and I'm I'm not talking about having a dirty house because I keep the house really clean, but I'm not trying to take all the toys and shove them in a closet or in a side room and and make it look like nobody lives there. I do think that there is something very intimate about hosting. At least I used to feel that way definitely in early adulthood before I was accustomed to it. I'm wondering if you ever felt that way or if you were born to entertain and if you have pointers for people in terms of getting more confident in their entertaining skills. I've always loved entertaining, even in college. I think that it started because we always had big family dinners when I was a kid. So we weren't ever entertaining, like having dinner parties and having guests. It was always family. And then when I went to college, I was actually the social chair of my sorority. And I remember getting elected to that position and I hadn't even run for it. And I remember thinking, I don't want to do this. Why did they make me social chair? And it ended up being the best thing. It ended up being the skill that I learned in college that I used the most later in life. So it taught me how to plan parties and what to look for and what to do and everything that I needed. I had a big binder that I would do everything for my parties out of that binder, making lists. And I still make lists whenever I have a party, no matter how small or how big. I have my list of everything I need to do. I type out my menu and I make grocery lists and to-do lists and I like marking everything off of that list. And I think that keeps my sanity and I'm able to remember everything that way. So I always encourage people if they're entertaining for the first time or if they're seasoned entertainer, making lists really does help to have it all written down, post-it notes, all of those things to give yourself reminders. It's the same as in cooking. If you know where you're going, if you read the recipe first, it's easier to get from the start to the finish. And I think it's the same with entertaining. Are there any must-have items you recommend that people keep on hand so they're always prepared to entertain on a whim? Always have wine. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) A well-stocked bar and wine. Uh, I've always had a case of white, red, rosé on hand, ready to go. I'm in the wine business now. I co-founded a wine label called Kind of Wild. It's an organic zero-sugar wine that I'm in love with. So we have plenty of wine here at our house. But I always have that on hand. There's usually cheese in our cheese drawer. We usually have crackers. There's some hummus around. So if somebody did drop in, I can just open a bottle of wine and put out a quick snack. I mean, some salt and vinegar potato chips, a bowl of olives, and a little bowl of nuts. That goes a long way. That's a party right there. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about how people tend to overestimate the importance of having a neat and tidy home when entertaining. Are there any things that people tend to underestimate the importance of when entertaining? Well, the guest bathroom is really important. And speaking of neat and tidy, make sure that you have that guest bathroom sparkly. I think that's an important place to put your efforts and have a fresh hand towel or disposable hand towels, a nice scented soap, put a candle or some potpourri in there. Always put a discreetly placed plunger. Oh. I think that your bathroom's getting used a lot and that helps avoid any kind of embarrassing situation. (laughs) Great tip. (laughs) Yeah. And just keep an eye on that bathroom throughout the night and make sure that it stays nice and clean. 
I wonder if anyone makes an aesthetically pleasing plunger. Right? That's what somebody yeah. needs to do. Let's talk about how seasonality informs your choices. Do you have a favorite season for entertaining or a least favorite season? Does seasonality inform your food choices, etc.? The answer is yes. Seasonality informs everything for me when it comes to cooking and entertaining. It's really important to me to cook seasonally. I think that not only is it an opportunity to get the best ingredients, but also seasonal eating goes with the mood of the time. So if it's summertime and you're making a big pot of beef bourguignon, that doesn't really feel good to eat at that time of year. So I always think about the season. My favorite season for entertaining has to be summertime because I just am a summer person. But that's not to say in the winter that I don't love to put on a pot of beef bourguignon and have friends over for a cozy dinner. I love being cozy. I love holiday entertaining. We had a Christmas party last year that was just kind of an open house. And I made a big ham, deviled eggs, shrimp cocktail, crudite, pimento cheese spread, put it on the table, and everybody could just come and go and take a bite. Ham is great for entertaining when it's holiday time, I think, or winter in general. I guess you could make a ham in the summer and and put out lots of summer toppings. Serve it cold? Yeah, yeah, that would work too. But I love summer entertaining. I like to make a big piece of fish in the oven and maybe do some sort of cold grain salads. I just think it's an opportunity for really easy cooking and The produce, I live in the Hamptons, the produce is just off the charts. And since you're very into casual dining, at least in this phase of your life, we could call it your casual dining era, (laughs) Swifty, I don't know. (laughs) Do you have any tips for making a memorable but no-fuss tablescape, or do you not even bother with a tablescape in the process of casual dining? I do like to decorate the table. I think it does make things special. It's not something that I spend a lot of time doing, but I like small flower arrangements. I usually make a few flower arrangements that are on the smaller side and put them with votive candles around the table. And then I set the table. I think white dishes always look really good. And then whatever color napkin I want to play around with for the table setting, that's kind of where I mix things up are the napkins. That's where I get crazy these days. (laughs) (laughs) My flowers are usually colorful because there's a farm stand close to me that grows really beautiful, colorful flowers. So I'm usually having a pop of color there. Mm, That is a great way to add color automatically. Are you a fan of themed nights or parties? I love a theme. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you make that theme come to life? Do you demand that guests dress up? I, for one, am not very good at dressing up, so I always get intimidated when that's part of the invitation, but it is also fun. I don't normally tell people how to dress, but I love to do a theme when it comes to the food, drinks, and decor. We've had Indian buffet night where we've done all Indian food and like a tamarind margarita, or I'll do a Jamaican night and make Jamaican jerk chicken. I love Fourth of July, all American theme with ribs and potato salad and coleslaw. I love a Southern night with fried chicken, pimento cheese, biscuits, all those types of foods. I think it just gets the energy going and sets the tone and people really enjoy a theme. Then they kind of know what to expect and they get into it. I also think it puts parameters on the menu automatically that make it almost easier to design, less stressful. Oh, I 
100% think it makes it easier to design your menu when you have a theme. Because like you said, it gives you some boundaries and you're not just sitting down thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to make? What goes together? We'll be back with more from Katie Lee Beagle after the break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier, and today I'm speaking with Katie Lee Beagle. What are some awesome gifts to bring to someone else's house that aren't boring? Something you can keep 10 of on hand that will always delight. Well, I think it's really nice to send something ahead of time. So if you are going to somebody's house for a special dinner, or if you're going to go be a house guest, to send a small flower arrangement ahead of time is really nice versus showing up with a bouquet of flowers that then your host needs to stop and find a vase for. Mm. Once a friend of mine, she was coming over for lunch, she brought me the nicest hostess gift. She got a basket and stopped at a farm stand and loaded it up with a lot of beautiful fruits and vegetables. That's a great idea. And that was such a nice gift because it was like, oh my goodness, I can use all of this the next day. I thought that was so nice. I also think it's really nice to bring your host something that they can use the next day, like pick up three of your favorite granolas Mm. or make a batch of muffins. A candle's nice, but it's kind of like, I didn't try and I had this in a closet. (laughs) It's so funny you say that because that's my go-to gift. (laughs) And it is. It feels boring. That's why I was asking for tips. And now you have given me what I see. Get a set of six cloth napkins. That's a great gift to bring somebody. It's something that they'll use later down the road. Right. Katie, how do you respond when people ask what they can bring? I tend to answer just yourselves, even when I sometimes wish they'd bring a dessert. So I'm trying to get better about that. And I'm wondering what your take is. I often get asked, what can I bring? And usually I don't want anybody to bring anything because I have in mind what I want to cook. But there are times where I'll say, yeah, bring a dessert. I'd love for you to bring a dessert. I often ask people to stop and pick up a bag of ice on their way because you always need ice. I have asked people to bring hors d'oeuvres before, and I have learned my lesson not to do that because unless they show up right on time, then you don't have anything to serve the other people who (laughs) showed up on time. I have a neighbor who makes the best margaritas. So when she's coming over, she actually now just says, do you want me to bring a pitcher of margaritas? And I say, yes, please. (laughs) Oh, that's good. If someone has a special skill to lean on that. For sure. Do you think it's required at this point in time to ask if people have allergies or dietary restrictions in advance of visiting your home? I actually don't tend to do that because when asked, I don't want people to feel like they have to cook for me. I suppose unless it's like a peanut allergy. 
What's your take? I used to not ask. I've started asking more just because it seems like there are so many people who do have issues, but I tend to make a menu that is flexible, meaning that if somebody is vegetarian, that they can make a meal on my sides. Ah. So maybe I've made a grain salad, a green salad, and a lentil salad, and they'll be just fine. Or roasted veggies. So that there's something for everybody to eat there already. But if I want to make something like, say, for instance, pork ribs, can be a little bit dicey. Like, does everybody eat pork? So I'll say, do you eat pork? Or do you eat lamb? Because that can be a tricky one, too. So I tend to just think about what I'm making, think about my guest. And if it's somebody I don't know well, I do ask. Mm. And a versatile menu is very helpful in that regard, no matter what. Totally. One more question on the entertaining etiquette front, especially since you have kids. Is it okay to put a cap on the night or do you have to leave an evening open-ended? I know I tend to prefer an earlier evening. That's my jam, at least in this phase of my life. But then I have some European friends who want to eat at eight or nine, right? So I'm just curious how you approach that. Don't invite the people who want to eat at eight or nine. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Yeah, I love an early night. If I could have people over at 530 and they left at like 839, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, same. (laughs) That is exactly how I am. That's not usually the case. So usually I'll have an afternoon coffee if we're having a dinner party. And I just know that the next day I'm going to be a little bit tired. (laughs) If everybody coming has kids, then I think you also know like, oh, okay, we can start this on the earlier side and end it on the earlier side. Right. What's the first thing you notice when you enter someone else's home as a guest? The first thing I notice, I guess, would be how welcoming the person is who opens the door. If they're greeting you with a smile and they seem like they really want you to be there, then you can feel that. And that's what I notice right off. You learned a lot about cooking from your grandmother. And I'm curious if you're passing on all of the traditions and everything you learned And do you tend to incorporate family heirlooms into your entertaining process? Is that important to you? I always say that my family heirlooms are recipes because we didn't really have anything to pass down. It wasn't like my grandma wore any fancy jewelry or anything like that. So it's her recipes that she gave me that that's how I feel the connection to my past. And I'm definitely passing that down to my daughter. Iris loves to help me in the kitchen. She loves to make a mess. So I always let her help me out. If I have something that I know that I need to get done, I'll usually do it when she's napping. But if she's awake, we have one of those little helper stands that she can climb up. And she loves to help me with any kind of doughs or cookies. She gets really excited. And it makes me feel so good. To see her in the kitchen and to see that she likes it and enjoys cooking and food. I think that she's going to love cooking as she gets older because she's so interested in it. But I also feel like this is going to help her be a better eater someday. Mm. Are there any entertaining don'ts that you want our listeners to keep in mind? Don't bite off more than you can chew, so to speak. So don't give yourself this unattainable idea of what 
your party's going to be like with a menu that's super complicated and takes a lot of time and where you are in the kitchen having to do it all at the last minute and plate it individually and make it really fancy. Think about a menu that's easily executable and that you can do most of it ahead of time. Make it easy on yourself. And food doesn't have to be fancy to be delicious or to be memorable. And use your best china. Use it all. What are you saving it for? Make a meatloaf and put it on that china that you got for your wedding. Enjoy it. I love that advice to make it easier on yourself. Recently, I had friends coming over. It had been planned forever. They were in town from New York, and I was exhausted for unexpected reasons. So at the last minute, I decided to get Chinese takeout instead of cooking, and it was the best decision I made because I was too exhausted to even cook something simple. So I took that off my proverbial plate, Mm -hmm. and it was actually enjoyable, even though I was exhausted. I had a Chinese takeout night with friends once too and had so much fun. I got it all. I put it in fancy bowls and set up a buffet and it was fabulous and everyone was thrilled. Last summer, I had a bunch of friends over and I ordered from a Mexican restaurant in town and I told them to, instead of assembling the tacos, just give me the meat, the toppings and the tortillas. And then I set it up and let everybody make their own. Smart. So easy and fun. Also, don't feel like you have to cook everything. Right. Buy your appetizers and your dessert and cook the main course or buy everything. Mm -hmm. Or lean on that friend who makes the delicious margaritas. That's right. (laughs) What is the most unexpected thing that has ever happened at a dinner party or a gathering that you've hosted? I had a sit-down dinner once that a guest who didn't RSVP showed up to. So I had to do a quick rearranging and pretend that I knew he was coming all along because I didn't want him to feel bad. So that was unexpected. I remember opening the door and being like, oh, (laughs) you're here. Great. Oh, that's hilarious. For those who don't know, RSVP does not mean reply if you can come. It means reply no matter what. It literally means reply, please. And also reply as soon as you can. Right. Whether or not you can make it. Yeah. Don't make the host chase you down. I've had to do that too, where I'll text somebody and invite them over and then they don't reply. And I have to write them back and say, did you get my text about coming over? And that's never a good feeling. No. Oh, I've got the ultimate unexpected story for you. So we had a 4th of July dinner. We had it on July 3rd this year. I had people coming over at 7 o'clock. At 5.30, I had 10 racks of ribs in the oven, cooking at 250 degrees, and the electricity went out. Oof. And I thought, oh, man, what is going on? Is this going to come back on? Like, what's happening? My neighbor, the one who makes the good margaritas, her parents called the Long Island Electric Company, and they said it's not going to be back on until midnight. Oh. So I got the grill going at a really low heat. I got the grill to 250. We put the ribs out there. We found a bunch of candles and put them outside. And my husband had a portable speaker. And luckily, his computer was fully charged so he could play music. We did the ribs, finished them on the grill, put out the side dishes I had already made. 
We had the best night. It was so much fun. <laughs> I love that. Everybody, I think, drank heavily. <laughs> and, right. And the food was actually like some of the best food I'd ever made for a party. It was like shockingly good. And everyone left around 1130. And at 1135, the electricity came back on. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Are you a fan of party games for adults? I do like a party game. What's your favorite? What I really like actually is when you do a table question or type out questions and fold them up and put them on each person's plate and they have to go around and answer the question. I think that's a good icebreaker. One of my favorite questions for a table question, though, to get everybody talking is what was your childhood craving, like your favorite sweets? What was the candy that you were nuts for as a kid? Oh, what was Yours. I loved Sour Patch Kids. Oh, okay. I was a Three Musketeers. Oh, I love a Three Musketeers too. <laughs> See, it's like when people start telling their candies they were into as kids, you'll start going, yes, I liked that one too. And I remember my mom doing X, Y, Z, and it just gets everybody going. And people do feel oddly passionate about it. I'm going to repurpose that. Katie, where do you get your inspiration? Just every day, different things will inspire me. Going to a farm stand is definitely one of the most inspirational things for me. But travel feeds my soul and makes me have all sorts of ideas. And having a couple years of not traveling from pandemic and then becoming a mom and just not really being able to get out and do anything like that, I appreciate it so much more now. So whenever I get to go somewhere, I just soak it all in. And I find a lot of inspiration from social media as well, whether it's looking at what people are cooking or reading comments about what I cook from my followers, their direct messages, things that they respond to. If I see that I post a recipe reel and it gets a lot of response, I know, hey, my Followers really like sheet pan dinners. I want to come up with some more sheet pan dinners for them. So I'd say that that's one of my biggest sources of inspiration. It would be my followers. That makes sense. And have you ever been surprised beyond sheet pan dinners about what they do respond to? Are there any other examples of that? I'm so curious. Yeah, I had so much response to showing how to bake rice in the oven. Oh, wait, I want to know how to do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. I posted a reel of how to bake rice. I got over 2 million views. Fascinating. I'm going to look up that video and try that myself. That was one of my most popular posts ever. I would love to wrap things up with a quick round of word association. Okay. So I'll just feed you a word and you can reply with whatever comes to mind immediately. There are no wrong answers. Great. Menu. What's for dinner? Motherhood. Love, 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 love. <laughs> Hosting. Fun. Light. Hmm. Light. Um... I think of chandeliers. I love a chandelier. Magic. Children's birthday parties. I'm trying to plan a birthday party for my daughter right now. <laughs> so am I. My daughter has requested the theme of koala sparkles. That's what I've got to work with. Wow. So. Okay. <laughs> I kind of love that. Right? Yeah. And I hired a face painter. Oh, fabulous. Right? Who doesn't love a face painter? Even a grown-up. I love a face painter. <laughs> <laughs> You've been 
listening to the Better Buy from Better Homes and Gardens. Be sure to follow the Better Buy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We'd love your feedback, so please rate this podcast and leave us a review. You can also find us online at bhg.com slash thebetterbuypodcast. And make sure to come back next week for more. Here's a preview. My name is Carmen Johnston, and I own Carmen Johnston Gardens. I'm a landscape designer based in Georgia, and we service the entire country by creating landscape plans all over the United States through bespoke garden plans. I'll see you then.